Hallelujah. Can you take one minute and just worship this God? Just take one minute and worship him in your own words, with your own song, in your own voice. Just express yourself to this God and tell him, tell him he is God. Tell him he is worthy. Tell him there is none like him. Go ahead, go ahead. Without the help of the music, just go ahead and express yourself to God for one minute in your own way. Tell him he has been good to you. He is a faithful God. There is none like him. He is our king. He is our rock. He is the pillar that holds our life. He is our help in ages past. He is our hope for years to come. Go ahead and worship him. Worship him. Just express yourself to God for one minute. Tell him, God, you are good to me. I honor you. I bless your name. Thank you because you are faithful. Thank you because you are worthy. You are worthy to be glorified in my life. You are worthy to be magnified in my life. If you don't have any other thing to thank him for, thank him for the breath in your nostrils. Thank him for the breath that he has given you. Without that breath, you will not be standing here this morning. Without that breath, you will not, be, you will not have a choice whether to sing or not. So just express yourself to him and say, Father, I thank you. Thank you for the breath that I have. Thank you for the life that I live. Some people are paying for that breath right now. Lord, I give you praise. I give you glory. I honor you. I worship you. That I have the freedom to choose whether to come to church or not. It's by your mercy. It's by your goodness. The Bible says it is by his mercies that we are not consumed. Lord, we honor you. We give you praise. We worship you. We adore you this morning. We have come again to worship you. That's what we live for. That's what we were created to do. Lord, accept our worship this morning as a family. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. Father, we bless you this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you because in our lives you have indeed been faithful to us. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor and adoration in the name of Jesus Christ. As a family this morning, we have come to, to return all the praise to you. We thank you for this, this past week and we thank you for all that you have done in our lives. We look forward to the, this new week with excitement and joy for all the great and mighty things that you have in store for us. As we go into your word today, we ask that you would, you would open up our eyes to see in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. I can't hear your voice. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can wave to somebody and have your seat. God bless you guys. You guys are shining this morning. <laughs> Some people have a new air cut. Some people have a new air do. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is exciting. All right. You're yeah, welcome to church this morning. Okay. Let's see. All right. Um, this morning, I'm going to read two jokes because the first one um, is, is elite. It takes some kind of uh, intellectual prowess to understand the first one. <laughs> but the second one is for everybody. So if you don't laugh at the first one, it's okay. Because you might laugh when you're on your way home, <laughs> when you're thinking about it. So that's what happened to me when I first read it. So it says, this is how I learned to mind my own business. I was walking past the mental hospital the other day, and all the patients were shouting, 13, 13, 13. The fence was too high to see over it, but I saw a little gap in the planks. So I looked through to see what was going on. Some idiot poked me in the eye with a stick. Then they started shouting, 14, 14, 14. <laughs> I don't know why that joke is so funny, but it just been making me laugh <laughs> since I read it. So you would learn to mind your business. <laughs> you would learn to mind your business next time. All right. So this second one is very simple, but it's, it's a bit long, but... It's what's it, okay? So just follow it, okay? If you don't follow it, you might not laugh at the end. In rural Ireland, 
Mr. Simos turned up for mass, that's the Catholic mass, with the hangover from his late night out drinking. He collapsed into a chair and fell asleep, snoring loudly. The priest watched him from the pulpit with disgust and decided to make an example of him. He said to the congregation, all those wishing to have a place in heaven, please stand. The whole congregation stood, except, of course, for Mr. Simos, who was fast asleep. Then the priest said even more loudly, and he would like to find a place in hell, please stand up. Mr. Simos, catching only the last part of the sentence, groggingly stood up, only to find that he was the only one standing. Confused and embarrassed, he looked at the Reverend Father and said, I don't know what we are voting on, Father, but surely it seems like you and me are the only ones standing for it. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> I don't know who comes up with these things, but I just love them. <laughs> All right, let's take our confession and get into the Word this morning. Say this with me. Say every day and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Let's do it one more time. Say every day and in every single way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say it louder. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time. I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we approach your word this morning like people that have found a great spoil. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. As for me and my lips of clay that you anoint me this morning with fresh oil, let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any demonic force, so that at the end of this message, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are still on our series called The Leap of Faith, and today is part number three, and what I want to talk about today is faith to obey, faith to obey. So we've talked about faith for the promise, we've talked about faith for the work, today we're going to talk about faith to obey, faith to obey. Um, I got, a, I got a, a, a message from somebody who watched online, I just want to read it to you, just so that you know that some people are watching. Okay, and I don't want the people that are watching online to be, to be getting blessed, and you guys are just, you know, this is our church, <laughs> okay? So let me read this comment to you that somebody sent to me. He said, wow, that's after watching the message. He said, wow, this is, I think Serge also sent me something, but his own is, you know, his own was like the Reader's Digest version, thank you for the word, or something like that. <laughs> All right, so this guy said, wow, this is good stuff. I love the description of Moses at the end, and also the meaning of pleading the blood. I always had issues understanding that, but your explanation made it clear for me. Glory be to God. All right. So little things like that, like that are just encouraging, you know. It tells you that even though there are not thousands of people watching it, the people who are watching are actually watching because this guy watched till the end. For him to, to know that I, I talk about Moses, because I talked about Moses at the very end, all right? So I'm going to pick it up from there again this week. Uh, we're going to start from that story, that story of Moses that we were looking at in Exodus chapter 14 uh, from verse 13 to verse 16. So let's read it again, and let's start from there this week. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. 
Verse 16 says, But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So we, we explained from this scripture that Moses obviously was also afraid. Moses was afraid. The children of Israel were crying to God. Moses also was crying to God. But it was from what God said that we could see that Moses too was crying to God. All right? But what Moses did in the face of the problem was that he spoke faith. He didn't speak fear. He was not echoing the cry of the children of Israel. He was echoing what he knew that God was going to do. All right? So Moses was afraid, but while speaking faith, he was also crying to God until God spoke to him and told him what he needed to do. God said, go forward and lift up the rod. And we established that that rod is symbolic of the word in our New Testament context. It's symbolic of the word of God because God gave Moses the rod, but he gave Joshua the word. Now, I want to start from here and talk about what this thing called standstill means. Look at verse 13. It says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So what does this mean, to stand still? When Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, this is what he was saying. He was saying that, you see, when, when, you, when you stand still, it means that your heart is fixed and at rest. When you start to take steps of faith, it doesn't mean that you are not afraid. And this is something that we need to really, really understand, that when somebody says, I'm, I'm walking by faith, it doesn't mean that fear doesn't try to come into your heart. What it means is that you stand still, your heart is fixed. Your heart is still, still, you are at rest. You have taken a position and you are not going to move from that position. That's what it means to stand still. So this is what he told them. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Until you stand still, you cannot see the salvation of the Lord. If you are still wavering around, if your heart is still, that's why he said in James, a man that is wavering, he cannot, you can't get anything that way. You have to stand still. Your heart has to be in a fixed place. We have to know what you, are, what, you are, what you believe and your confession has to be consistent. So when you, take, when you start taking actions of faith, your heart must not move. Circumstances around you might move, but your heart must not move. And this is what I'm going to teach you today. How do you ensure that your heart does not move? Because it sounds easy to just say, stand still, make sure your heart doesn't move. But when things start happening, that are real events <laughs> start going on, there's a temptation for that. So how do you do that? We'll talk about that in a moment. Now, to, to only give voice without taking action always leads to failure. Let me repeat that. If you are only confessing the word of God and you are never taking any action, it will continuously lead to failure. There's no other way around it. This is why people are speaking bad about faith. This is why people say, oh, that faith thing doesn't work. It's because they don't understand that it's not just about confessing. When you start confessing, you have to see what you need to do and you have to do it. That is the only way that you are going to get results. Okay, please stay with me. Confession and meditation must lead to sight and then action. When you start confessing the word, when you start meditating on the scriptures that God has given you, you see what you need to do and you do it. So what kind of action are you supposed to take then? What is the kind of action that we are supposed to take? Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 29. This is another very interesting scripture that I want to show you that spoke about that incident in Exodus in the New Testament. It's referencing that thing that happened with Moses in, on the Red Sea. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 29. Here's what it says. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. So it's telling us that the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea 
But the Egyptians attempted to do the exact same thing, but they were drowned. Why? Why, why didn't they have the faith, though? Why? Because they didn't hear from God. That Red Sea did not part for the Egyptians. It parted for the Israelites. God spoke to Moses. He said, go forward. Right? And the Israelites started to do that. The Egyptians came by and saw an open door. And they entered into it. If you try to enter a door that God did not open for you, you will drown. Let me say that again. When God opens a door, it has to be a door that God opened for you. If God did not speak to you about the step you are about to take, please don't take it. The leap of faith is not a leap in the dark. It's not that I saw somebody else buying a house, so I feel like it's the right time. No. What we are saying is that you saw something. You saw something in the word of God. God spoke to you. You heard something. And that's why you are taking the action. Because if you try to enter a door that is open for another person, you will drown. It's just like you waking up one day and say, because all my friends are, are starting churches now, I think that's the next thing to do. I just feel like, you know, everybody's starting a church. So I should also join them <laughs> and start. You will do what? Oh, you're not following me. What will you do? You will drown. I need this to be clear, to be very clear, because this is where people, this is the pitfall of faith. This is where people miss it. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not hope. Hope is good. Hope maketh not ashamed. But hope is not a strategy. When we are walking by faith, hope is not a strategy. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for. So you hope, but you have the substance. That substance is the word of God. It is the title deed. Just like when you buy a house, they give you a paper that says you are the owner of this thing. It's, a, it's called a title deed. That's what the word of God is. When God gives you that scripture, that is your title deed. That's the evidence of things not seen. That's what supersedes hope. So hope is good. Hope is, you know, your heart, you just feel like, I know things are going to get better. Everybody has that feeling. It's called hope. I, I know things are going to get better. I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. I know things will get better. But that's not yet faith. Faith comes when the word of God is opened up to you, when you see something. I hope this is clear. Guys, I can't hear your voice. I hope this is clear. Okay, let's keep going. So the, we, we've said the Egyptians drowned in the same sea that the Israelites crossed. The reason why they drowned is that the Israelites had instructions from God and the Egyptians did not. So you cannot walk through a door God opened for someone else. Otherwise, you will drown. You walk through the Red Sea that God opened for you. That's what you do. So we do the work and the action that we have been instructed by God to do. That's the difference between faith and hope. So life doesn't give you what you desire. And this has to be clear, that people have this desire in their hearts that everything is going to be all right. But life, the way it has been designed, does not give you what you desire. It doesn't even give you what you deserve. Life gives you what you demand. Please write that down. Life does not give you what you desire. It does not answer to what you deserve. There are people that you know, you and I know people, that deserve better. You know that this guy is hardworking. You know that this guy is, is putting in a lot of effort. But he's not getting the commensurate result. Because life is not designed to give you what you deserve. It's not designed to give you what you desire, what you hope for, what you feel like you should have. Life is designed to give you what you demand. And the way we place a demand on life is by the words that come out of our mouth. Whether those words are uttered deliberately or not, this is what I'm saying. 
Anybody that you see that his life is going in a particular direction, it is going in that direction because of the words that they have been speaking. Because your, your tomorrow is designed by the words that are coming out of your mouth today. That is the way it is designed. So you cannot be saying on the outside that things are bad, that the economy is, is crashing, that we, we will not recover from coronavirus, that there's going to be a third wave, and you expect an abundance of rain in the midst of those words. They are not compatible. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Those two things are not compatible. Your words have to be consistent. Your words have to be consistent, and this is how your future is designed. So how does the word of God work after we start to speak it? When we start confessing the word of God, what can we expect? How does the word of God now produce results? Because this is a challenge for most people when, when they are walking by faith. They feel like, I'm just declaring the word of God. Am I supposed to just hope that the word of God will just magically do something that I cannot do? Yes. That's how the word of God is designed because that's how God created the heavens and the earth. He did it by the words that came out of his mouth. He said, light be and light was. So you have to trust the word of God to do the work that it has the power to do. That's why it's called faith. Stay with me, guys. Mark chapter number four. Let's go back to that book of Mark, where we started from. We're going to go further down now, and we'll start to see a principle that Jesus laid out here in this Mark chapter number four, from verse 26 to verse 29. Here's what it says. Mark chapter four, verse 26 to 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Do you see that? He says this is how the kingdom of God is designed to operate. It's as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Don't forget, he has already explained what the seed is. That the seed is the word of God. So he's saying you cast the word of God into the ground. You go to bed. You go and sleep. And you wake up. He says the seed has within it the power to sprout and grow. You yourself, you don't know how it's going to happen. Then he says, for the earth yields crops by itself. He says the earth is designed to produce results by itself. First, the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. So he's saying that the harvest is going to come in three different stages. You are going to first see something called the blade. That is not the harvest. It starts to show up gradually, and this is where Christians start to testify that you applied for a job, and they called you and said they called you for an interview. But you think you are walking by faith, by coming to testify, to say, oh, they called me for an interview, praise the Lord for me. That's not yet the testimony. That's the blade. That's the blade. That is not the time to stop confessing, because you have not yet reached the full harvest. So when people see the blade, they stop confessing the word of God. They feel like the job is done. They stop confessing. They stop doing the things that they were doing that got them to that that place. They stop praying in the morning. They are now too busy. They are, you know, they, they start, things now start, start changing. Then they, they, all the progress that they have made now be, begins to rescind. Do you see what, what, what's going on here? So when you see the blade, you have to keep at it. Then the head. After that, you will see the full grain. And I will show you in a moment here how you will know that the manifestation has come. That it's okay now to take your hands off, off the anchor and let the ship go in the direction that you have set for it. Okay? So, this example is just like when you, you know, for me, I like, to, I like to put ice in anything. It doesn't matter what the temperature is, <laughs> what the weather is, <laughs> whatever I'm drinking, I put ice in it, okay? And the ice maker is designed in such a way that you put water in the ice maker, right? 
and you put it, I'm not talking about the one that is um, the ice maker, I'm talking about the plastic things. You put water in it and you put it into the freezer, right? I don't think about how that water is going to become ice. My job is to put water in that plastic container, cover it and put it in the freezer and shut the door. As long as that freezer is connected to a source, that water will become ice. No amount of fasting and prayer that you do can change that. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is how the word of God works. As long as you are connected to the source and you are what you are declaring is the word of God, nothing on earth, write this down, nothing on the earth can change what the word of God is about to do. Nothing. Any seed that grows in your life as a result of the word of God, it is everlasting. The word of God is something called incorruptible seed. It cannot be corrupted. Listen, if the word of God, you have declared some things in your life from the scriptures, it has produced results. If you don't, if you don't even get the harvest of that thing, do you know that? What it means is this. You see, there's the, the fruits that we eat. Let's say mangoes, bananas, all those things. They are, they are fruits, but they are corruptible. If for a, a fruit grows for a long time and, it, and nobody harvests it, it's going to be corrupted. But the word of God is an incorruptible seed. Do you know what that means? That even if the harvest, you didn't take the harvest, the harvest is there. It will remain there until you go and take it. That's what it means to be incorruptible. It cannot be destroyed. So there are things that you have, been, you have prayed about many years ago that the harvest is still waiting for you. You have just not taken hold of it yet. And the way you take hold of your harvest is by your words. I will show you now. And this thing is a deliberate thing. It's not something where we are just hoping that, you know, everything's going to get better one day. No, 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 no. That's not a strategy. That's not the way that a Christian lives. That's not the way a Christian lives. Okay? So you put it in, just your job is to put the water in the ice maker and put it in the freezer. That's your job. All right? Let, let me give you an example of what I'm saying, a practical example. You see, when, when this, before this, old, um, this ministry, everything came together like this. See, let me tell you. There were, there, were days that, there were days that in my head, things would be thoughts would be coming to my mind that, ah, will, how will everything work out? You know, will this, will this happen? See, every time you have a thought in your mind like that, that you are walking towards something and there's a thought in your mind, the Bible says we take every thought captive. What it means is that you cannot be quiet in this journey of faith. Whenever a thought comes to your mind that is contrary to the promise that God has given you, you have to superimpose the word of God on top of that fear. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have to superimpose the word of God. Every time the thought comes to me that, ah, what if we start this church and nobody shows up? There's a phrase in Isaiah that God has given me that I repeat every single time. Let me even see if I can, if I can find it and show you. I repeat it every single time until, until that fear disappeared from my heart. I kept on saying it, kept on saying it every single time. Let me, let me just see here if I, if I still have it. You see, now that the blade, the, the thing has, has germinated now. <laughs> All right, so, so it's here in Isaiah 41. It says, the coastland saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. So that's Isaiah chapter 41 was the scripture that God gave me. That phrase, that verse number five, says, the coastland saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. So every time a thought comes to me that says, this church that you're doing, nobody will come. I will, I will declare it. Not that, see, I'm, I can be at work. I can be anywhere. I'm saying to you, every single time the thought comes to my mind, I repeat it. I say, the coast, I had this thing written down. 
in my wallet in a paper so that if I forget it, I can open it and look. It's not a long confession. It's just a, a small phrase in the Bible. And I will say it to myself again, the coastland saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will be saying that to myself all the time, just to reassure myself that God's word cannot fail. At the beginning, this was happening like regularly, like regularly. Sometimes four times a day, five times a day, the thought will come to me. After a while, it will start diminishing. It will start diminishing after a while. After a while, it will just be coming once every month. It will be coming, you know, like, just like that. Before you know it, before you know it, you might go a whole week without the thought coming to your mind. You can go one whole week without the thoughts coming to your mind, without the thoughts coming to you at all. And this is where you know now that you are now, start, you are now started entering into that rest. When that, that thing doesn't spring up in your heart again, where you are no longer afraid about the thing. But they are saying, oh, your down payment is going to be $20,000. And then every time the thought comes to your heart that, ah, where am I going to get $20,000 from? What you are going to replace that thought with is not hope. Do you see what I'm saying here? There has to be a scripture that you are replacing that thought with. You cannot, you, you, that thought cannot come to you and you will say, well, I know I will get it, I know I will get it. How do you know? What is the evidence? The evidence is the word. That's what faith is. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when that thought comes to you, you show that thought the evidence. The evidence has to be a scripture that you take and you show it that, no, 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 this is what the word of God says about this. And you do this every time the thought comes to you until you enter rest. This is the fight of faith. This is what faith is all about, all right? Now, let's move on. I just thought to share that with you so that it, 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 it's practical in your mind. So, when this harvest that we're talking about, when it comes, it's not going to show up to you in, in a package <laughs> with labeled harvest and they put a ribbon around it. No. The harvest of your, of your declarations always come to you in form of a problem. They will show up like a problem, like an opportunity that, that is too big for you. It's just like what happened to David um, in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 to, to 51. It will come in form of Goliath. When all you went to do is to give your brothers food. <laughs> That's all you went to do. But you will show up there and there will be a problem called Goliath. And that problem is the opportunity of your destiny. That challenge that will be presented to you See, again, let me repeat it. This work of faith is not something you yourself, you went to dream up. It is something that will be presented to you in the course of you doing what the, 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 the last thing that God told you to do. While you are doing that, an opportunity will be presented to you that will look like this is, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. I can't do this now. All right? And then when you step into that, the next thing shows up. When an opportunity to take a leap of faith appears you will not be prepared. When the opportunity of the leap of faith shows up in your life, you will not be prepared. You will not feel like you are ready. You will not feel like you are ready. But there is always something in your history that will tell you that God is faithful and God is able to do this. Just like what happened to David. He knew that the God that helped me with, with the lion and the bear will help me with this Goliath. But do you know that Goliath was not on the same level as the lion and the bear? Do you know that? They were not on the same level. <laughs> you, and you know that Goliath, Goliath, the way he was, he could have taken on the lion, the bear, and David at the same time. Do you know that? 
if God did not help David, <laughs> Goliath was capable of taking on all the three of them together. Not that they come one after the other. Bring the lion, bring the bear, and bring David. It will kill the three of them together. So they were not on the same level, but that battle was not won by stature. It was won by words. It was won by words. Every time Goliath said something, David said something. Every time Goliath said, you are, you are, you are a small boy, are you, you are a dog, blah, 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 he would say, today, I'm going to cut off your head. He, he never kept quiet. This, this is how faith works. Faith doesn't keep quiet. You don't sit down and just be hoping that things will change. The devil brings a thought into your heart that you're going to lose your home. Oh, you will not be able to pay all your bills. Oh, they're going to come and foreclose your house. Oh, they're going to take your car away. And you keep quiet. You are there. You keep quiet. <laughs> and you take the thoughts. You just take it in. You keep quiet. It's just like a bird is flying over your head. You can't stop birds from flying over your head. But you must be able to stop them from landing on your head. <laughs> you, you have to be able to do that. So you can't just wait and say, you know, birds can fly. But when it, it now comes and lands on your head, you have to say something. You have to say something. That's the way faith works. That's the way Christianity is. So you can't just sit down and take every thought that comes to you. You must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's move on. So if you feel completely prepared for what God is telling you to do, that is not a leap of faith. It might be a good thing, but that's not what we're talking about. If God tells you to do something and in your heart, you, 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 from the beginning to the end, you, you, can, you can do it. You can do it all by yourself. That's not a leap of faith. That's not what we're talking about. This leap of faith is something that you know that if God doesn't help me, there's no way I'm going to do this. Just like David was telling Goliath that he didn't say, I'm going to kill you by myself. He said, by the God of the armies of Israel that you have defiled. So a leap of faith is not a leap in the dark. It's a leap with nothing else but the light that you have seen in God's word. That is enough. Once you have seen the light in the word of God, you can go ahead and take a leap of faith. Whatever you need comes along as you obey. Whatever you need for this leap of faith is not something that the resources will come to you before you start. You know, that's the way we want to do things. We want, we want all the money in the bank. <laughs> Say, let's start a church. Okay, we have $300,000 in the bank. Let's go. Then you start doing everything. <laughs> that's not the way this thing works. No. This thing, it happens as your obedience is in motion. I remember the first time that I came to Canada, when I was, we were at the airport, there was a layover, and... I don't travel much before I came to Canada. I don't travel a lot. So I was not, I'm not a traveler. I'm not that kind of guy. So I, I entered into the hotel, and there was this water faucet. I've seen a lot of water faucets, you know, even in Nigeria, fancy ones. But this one was just different. <laughs> this one on what? I think it was the airport in, in Amsterdam or something. It, was just, it just looked weird. Like, I'm like, okay, so where do I press <laughs> in this thing now? What do I do? So I, you know, as, as a Niger boy, you know, you just pretend that you know what you're doing. So I was just chilling as if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> then I waited and I saw another person come and he just put his hand under the thing and the water started running. Ah, I said, this is fate. This is exactly how fate works. This is how fate works. Because I was waiting to see evidence <laughs> of that this thing can work. I was waiting to see that what is the, but this guy understood that when my obedience is in motion, the water will respond. And that's the way it is. When God tells you to do something, you have to step out to do it. As you step out, God will supply all the needs that you have for it. Because what provision is, is something that goes before vision. It's provision. So God has already prepared it. But he wants to see that your obedience is in motion before he will release all the resources. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 to 5. Ecclesiastes 11, 4 to 5. Look at what it says. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. 
as you do not know what it is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of our who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. What a pra- that's a practical example. How does a baby grow in the womb? How? I had my, my, my son asking one day, that, how do babies come out? <laughs> you know, what do, how do babies grow? Like, is he sitting like this? I was just laughing. I presented as if I wasn't here. They were discussing it. <laughs> that, how, how does baby sit in, in the stomach? Does he sit like this or does he sit like this? You know, because you just wonder that. But you, but you see, that's not our problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not our problem. Our problem is to take care of what we can take care of. In other words, prepare for the baby. Prepare for the baby. Start taking steps. Start moving things around. Get a crib. Get a mattress. That's faith. Prepare for the baby. But you, your, your job is not to worry how the baby is growing. Because you don't have control over that. So you don't have control over how the word of God is going to produce the results. Your job is just to be declaring the word of God. Plant the seed and prepare for the harvest. Say amen to that. So you will not experience the best of God until your obedience is complete. You can't experience the best of God until your obedience is complete. You don't wait for the resources before taking a leap of faith. Obedience is what activates the resources for a leap of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, from verse 5 to 7. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to 7 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is what I was describing to you before, that we maintain our confession we take every thought captive with the word of God that God has given us to the obedience of Christ as we begin to obey God. As we start taking those steps, your heart will want to shake. There will be days where you will look at yourself and say, what am I doing? Who sent me? <laughs> like, what am I doing? What is this? Because once you start out and you are in the middle of it, just imagine you, you, you want to buy a land, for example, and you have already made a bid, and they now tell you that the bid is accepted. Then you have an obligation. You're already in the middle of the game. You cannot go back. What you need to do now is to maintain your confession. Stay on track. Maintain your confession by taking the evidence that God gave you to start with and superimposing it on the existing conditions. All right? Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 22 to verse 24. Hebrews 10, 22 to 24. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That water is the word of God. 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. You see that? Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in in order to stir up love and good works. This is another part of walking by faith that people don't understand, that faith works by love. Faith is not something that you do while you are living a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. When you say, I want to walk by faith, you are saying, I'm committing myself to walking by the principles of the kingdom of God. So it's not something that you do. You are living a lifestyle that is not in any way represent, representative of, a, of the life of a Christian. And you expect faith to work. That's not the way this thing works. And we have to make this clear. All right? Look at what, what I mean here in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 14 to verse 16. So we make our lifestyle to be in agreement with what we are professing. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He says, pursue peace with everyone. So you cannot be walking by faith and be holding grudges and be keeping malice. And there are some people that they say, we're not on speaking terms. We're not on speaking terms. <laughs> That's not faith. Faith doesn't work in that environment. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't work under that kind of atmosphere. It has to be an atmosphere where you are pursuing peace with all people 
and holiness. It says, without which no one will see the Lord. When you see that, the first thing that comes to your mind is that without which you will not make heaven, right? You will see the Lord. That, that's, that's the meaning. But if you look at it properly, this is what it means. If you want to see the Lord show up in your situation, you have to be walking like this. So when he says see the Lord, it means you want the manifestation of God in whatever you are doing. You have to be pursuing peace with everybody and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Because holiness is still fashionable. It's still a requirement for any principle. It's not that you take the principles of the word of God in isolation. You are living anyhow. You know that there is a, there's something in your life that is not, that is not pleasing to God. You, you, you keep that in one corner and you, 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 you are trying to walk by faith. That's not the way this thing works. I hope I've made myself clear. That's not the way this thing works. Because we have to cover all the bases and know that we are, we are walking in, in line with the will and the word of God. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. This is the root that he was talking about in Mark chapter 4. That these people, they, they, they didn't bear fruit because of the root that they had. It says, the root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So it's possible for you to have done all the work. You are, you, are, you are declaring God's word. You are doing all of those things. And you sell all that. He says he sold his birthright. He sold his birthright for a morsel of meat. So you can get to the point where something shows up in your life that looks like an opportunity in quote now, a temptation that you fall for, and by that you are trading your birthright. We have to be careful of this. We have to be very, very watchful. That as we are walking by faith, we are expecting the miraculous, we are expecting abundance, we are, we are keeping our lifestyles consistent, consistent with what God says. The problem is that we are always trying to be, to, to be ready. We are always trying to get ready. This is the problem with many Christians when they are walking by faith. They aim forever, they never shoot. Always aiming, aim. Aim, 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 Oh, let's start again. Let's aim properly. Aim, aim. Oh, yeah, shoot. Shoot. Do you understand? Like, it's better for you to shoot and miss than to be aiming forever. The minute you shoot once and you miss, you know how not to shoot it. You know, right away, you know that, okay, that's not the way to go. Have you ever played video games? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's not like when you're even playing car race or something, right? The first time you go through the tracks, your car will, will enter the bush. <laughs> Go like this, turn upside down. But the second time, you know how not to do it. You know that, okay, I, I cannot do it like this again. I have to do it this way. That's how we do this thing. That's how we do it. It's not by sitting down on your couch and expecting. Imagine how, if I was expecting that this church in my mind would just, you know, it, has, it will be in my mind forever. Forever. I'm saying, I, I want to see all the people first. Before we start, I want to see all the people. Where are all the people that are going to come? I want to know them. <laughs> Let's see. It, it will never happen. That's not the way it works. I'm using church as a reference because that's my own example. So use your own, whatever is your own situation to, to understand this, that this is not something that happens by you just sitting down. You have to take action. Go for it instead of forever getting ready. You, can get, you, can, you can't get it right without practice. You cannot get it right without practice. Everything that God will ask you to do will require you going over and over again and you fine tune things. There's something called course correction as you go along that you start making. You start making changes and adjustments and you start learning how to do things better. All right? Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. It says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
So you, by, by exercising your senses is how you discern both good and evil, by practice, by practice. And, and another mistake we make is that we think we, we need certain people to get to where God wants us to get to. But the honest truth is that those people are waiting for you to start doing something before they show up. They are waiting. God has already prepared them. You are waiting for, for people to come and say, oh, we love you, we are with you forever, <laughs> before you start. <laughs> but those people, God has already prepared their hearts. They are waiting for you to go and do something, to start something before they now show up, before all the resources you need show up. This is so important, guys. That's why I'm, 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 today I'm just trying to be, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up in a moment here. I'm not even going to preach for long. So don't think that you require certain associations. Step out, God brings the associations. Don't spend all your time aiming, just fire. The leap of faith will take you out of your comfort zone. The leap of faith is not about being comfortable. This, this society and this environment can train you to seek comfort. That everything has to be comfortable. The leap of faith is not comfortable. Listen, there's no day that I'm comfortable. Since we started this church, <laughs> there's no day <laughs> that I'm sleeping and I just sleep. I sleep and my sleep is interrupted by, by visions, <laughs> by dreams, by so many scenarios that I'm painting in my brain. Because you cannot be comfortable. It cannot be a comfort zone. Nothing great comes out of a comfort zone. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing that you see that anybody has built in this life that came out of a comfort zone. Why do you think musicians, when they, they, they sing a first album, right? The first album, boom, everybody blow. The album is fire. Everybody, ah, this guy can sing. Then they make money. <laughs> they make proper money. And they start living large. They start living fine. They start living, then the second album, they come and just sing nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> Everybody will be like, what happened to this guy? What happened was comfort. Because the first one came out of hustle. The first album came out of suffering. Suffering, where the guy was, 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 was hungry, right? And he was thinking about a better life, about how his life is going to change, and all of that. And everybody liked that one. But when he became comfortable, he just started thinking about women and everything. The thing just sounds like, ah, is this the same person? That's what happens when people enter a comfort zone. But there are people who have trained themselves that even though they are comfortable, they learn to put comfort aside to do what needs to be done in order to get the results that they need in life. That's how we win. That's how we make progress. So you can never, you can never be, be comfortable. As you step out, you will become uncomfortable. The fact that you are uncomfortable does not mean you lack faith. So the fact that you step out and you feel uncomfortable, you feel like, ah, what if something goes wrong? That does not mean you are not walking by faith. Don't forget, this is not the way, we don't walk by feelings. Those feelings don't mean anything. They only start to mean something when you accept it. When you refuse to take the thoughts captive, that's when those feelings now start meaning something. All right? So it, it means that you are stepping out into the aching void with nothing beneath your feet except the word of God. And this is what Lillian B. Yeoman said, that God delights in his children stepping out into the aching void with nothing beneath their feet except the word of God. This is how we live by faith. It means you are trading your psychological comfort for high-impact results. When you feel uncomfortable, you are trading your psychological... And what many people have in this society is psychological comfort. They are not truly comfortable, but they have a sense of being comfortable, a semblance, because there's nobody pursuing me. As long as I can, I can pay my bills every month, nobody's coming after me, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, There's no pressure on me, so I'm okay. But there's no greatness that will not come out of pressure. Pressure is what gives birth to greatness. When you are, you are, you are attempting things, I remember our, our landlord here, the day that he came, <laughs> the day that me and him met here, and he was, he, was, he was asking me questions. He said everything. After the old conversation, he said, 
I'm really encouraged by you. This is, this is a white man <laughs> that is that has you know that is very he's fairly comfortable. Like he does all the plowing for the city. He's a big guy. He's not a small boy, right? He said, "I'm really impressed by you that you can take this kind of step right now with just the people you have." I, I, I don't, I, like, he was, you know, you could see that the guy was confused. Uh, look at this guy, this small boy, like, that you can't even be thinking of doing this. And I'm so impressed. I need someone that is not a Christian. This is how we shine the light. It's not by sitting down in our houses. I can be comfortable in my, in my house. I can sit down in my house, just be watching TV, you know, go to work, look at the schedule, go on vacation with the family, you know, just be living life and be flowing through life. But your life will never be impactful, never be meaningful, because it will be all about you and your family, never affecting anybody else. We're not going to live that way. We're going to find out what our assignment is, what God has, has ordained us to do in this life, and we will pursue it with everything that is within us. Say amen to that. So, at the end of the day, the leap of faith is God's method for giving us solutions to what looks complex. This is God's method for providing solutions to things that look complex. The leap of faith at the end of the day is not difficult, it is just different. It's not difficult. It's just different. It's different from what you are used to. <laughs> it's different from what you know. Because when you step out into this leap of faith, it will feel completely different from all that you have known and that you, 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 all that your, your, your feelings can accept. It will be different. But that does not make it difficult. In fact, it is easier than you think it is. It's just different. It's a different feeling. It's a different world. So don't mistake difference for difficulty. The real challenge is embracing the unknown, embracing what you don't know, because the change is the challenge. That is the real challenge. When things change and everything looks like it's no longer the way that you know it to be, that's the real challenge, and that's where the opportunity lies, and that's what you need to do. So what we're going to do is, I'll stop here for today. Next week, we're going to, we're going to talk about resurrection, and then the week after, I'll wrap up this series, Okay. And we're going to start with the story of Jacob and Laban. I'm going to show you something in that story where we're talking about the fact that change is the real problem. It's not that, see, when you are taking a leap of faith, you are not putting in extra effort. It's not that I have to double down on my effort. No, it's just finding the thing that God wants you to do and doing that one thing. You will see that things will change in such a way that you will look at, you look at the effort that you're putting in. I'm not putting in any genuinely extra it's just that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what the leap of faith is all about, okay? Bow your heads and pray and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? This, this is where in the third week of this series, there has to be something that is going on inside you at the moment now. There has to be something that is changing, something that is taking place as you are listening to this. Ask God that you don't want this, whether you need it right now or you need it later in the future, that whenever it is that you need this, that it will show you the steps that you need to take. It will show you the steps that you need to take. It will tell you what you need to do with this word. Don't forget, it's not the hearer of the word that is blessed. It's the doer of the work. It's the doer of the work. That is the person that is blessed. So pray and say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to do. The Bible says that faith is a gift. It talks about the gift of faith. Some people have the gift of faith. Ask him for this gift. Lord, even though I don't feel like I, I have this kind of faith, as I begin to take the steps that you have directed me to take, Holy Spirit of God, give me this gift, this gift called the gift of faith, in the name of Jesus Christ. Give me this gift of faith, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. As I begin to declare your word, that my heart will be still. My, make sure you are praying, guys. Make sure you are praying that my heart will be still. You need to pray to appropriate the words that you have heard into your heart, to appropriate it into your life. Say, Holy Spirit of God, help me in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And Father, we thank you for your word again today. By the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and that you deepen this in our consciousness. And Lord, let this word that we have heard today, let it go into our hearts, let it sprout and grow in a way that we do not know. And let it produce results in our lives that will be tangible and visible, that will be impactful to the world around us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.